Hello, you're very welcome to the Stoma Service Podcast Series. My name is Emma Tracy. I'm Service Improvement Manager for Surgical and Clinical Services, which includes Stoma, and I will be today's host. So today I'm joined by my colleague, Karen McCain. Karen, you're very welcome. It's great to have you with us. So before we go any further, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Thanks, Emma. Hi, everyone. My name is Karen, and I am Stoma Care Nurse for the Northern Trust based here in Antrim Hospital. Thanks, Karen. So our podcast today is on rectal discharge. So Karen, can you start by telling us a bit about this? Yeah, no worries. Um, let's be honest now, talking about our boils isn't something that we're really very good at. Um, it can be a wee bit awkward and a wee bit embarrassing. Um, and actually, one of people, one of five people report being way too embarrassed to even talk to their GP about something simple like constipation. But as stoma nurses today, we want to change that. So we're going to take you through the subject uh, we often refer to it as a rectal mucus discharge or a PR discharge um, and it's uh, really the mucus discharge that, that comes away from your back passage following bile surgery um, and especially after a stoma is formed. Thanks Karen. So we're going to open up the rest of the questions to our other stoma nurses who have joined us which is Tracy, Mari and Vicky so you're all very welcome. So can you start by telling us what is a mucus discharge? Yeah sure so the bile, when it functions normally, the lining of the bile will continuously produce a clear substance. It's known as mucus. It can vary in colour. It can be clear or slightly whitish or even yellowish. The, the purpose of the mucus is just to lubricate the stool and help it move more easily through the bile. It happens to all of us. Uh, normally we don't even notice it uh, because it just mixes with the motion and passes directly into the toilet. But when you have a stoma, it becomes much more apparent. Okay, so... What happens to this mucus after the bowel surgery? Following any type of surgery to your bowel, specifically a procedure called a Hartman's procedure or the formation of a, a loop stoma, the lower part of the bowel uh, is a bit uh, redundant. It doesn't really have any purpose anymore. Um, sometimes it's sewn closed, but if it's left in place, um, it's no longer really needed uh, to move the still through through the bile and down into the anus because there's been a break in the bile and the stone now will just naturally pass out through the, the formed stoma. The bile beyond the stoma still produces mucus. It still has a really good nerve supply and uh, if the mucus um, builds up in the rectum, you'll feel a bit of pressure and it'll make you feel a little bit like you need to empty your bile. Okay, and I'm sure that can be a, a bit of a frightening experience if you're not expecting it. Absolutely, Emma. Um, if it happens to patients and they're not expecting it, it can be quite confusing. Sometimes it can be frightening. Uh, some patients have even told me that when it happened to them unexpectedly, they were really worried that there was a functional problem with their stoma. But even more concerning, another patient thought that it was the return of the disease, uh, the reason why they had the surgery in the first place, and they actually thought it was a tumour. So, Carl, will everyone who has a stoma have a mucus discharge? No, I mean, not everybody who has a stoma will experience this discharge from the rectum, and that's for various reasons. If the, the rectum and the anus are both removed, a procedure known as an APER, then there will be no bile opening, and so there'll be no uh, opening for the discharge to come through. But when the rectum is left in place, for example, in the Hartman's procedure that I talked about earlier, or the formation of a lip stoma, then there is potential always for rectal discharge to occur. This can be problematic for some patients and others report having no problems whatsoever. So really it is patient specific. 
Um, so what if there's blood or pus in the discharge? What should what should you do? If the rectal discharge has a streak of blood or pus on it, mm -hmm. um, it can happen. It's quite normal. Occasionally, you do can see a little bit of blood. Now, what's not normal is if there is a lot of blood mm -hmm. and it's recurring. Um, that could mean that there is some type of inflammatory process going on within your rectum. Mm -hmm. Um, I would advise patients to seek medical advice at that stage, whether that's seeing your GP to get your rectum examined. Now, there is patients who will always have a little bit of blood mixed in their mucus on discharge. They tend to be patients who have inflammatory bowel diseases, and they usually are on treatments to keep that at bay. But it's always worth bringing a medical practitioner or ourselves for a little bit more advice. So what practical advice can you give to patients to help them manage this? Well, I always say to patients whenever they get that letdown, that feeling that there's something in the back passage, go to the bathroom, sit in the toilet and push because you want to dispel it from your bowel. Sometimes if it, um, if it just sits there, it can get very, very thick and very difficult to pass what can. So, um, and then they'll always have that sensation where there's something in their back passage. Um, if that's the case where it is, it's got very, very thick and very hard to pass, if they ask their GP for a wee suppository, um, glycerin suppositories is what we would recommend, um, pop that into your back passage. It, ha it should help lubricate and um, make it easier for you to pass. Mm -hmm. We don't want you straining on the toilet, so we don't. I think also it's not even, um, yes, there, you can have a bit of discharge, but also, especially, you know, some of our patients with, um, who've had emergency procedures, like, you know, for Crohn's or colitis or something like that, patients could, it's been an emergency procedure, their bile hasn't been cleared out. So in those first couple of weeks or even the first week after surgery, it is normal sometimes for, yes, to have some mucus, but also some bile movement rectally yeah. as well, um, because there has been stool or poo still in the bile um, and that's just a clearing night, I suppose. So it's just to warn patients not to be frightened about that. Um, also, patients tend to notice an increase in their rectal discharge. I find that's usually if they've been unwell for a while or if they've been on antibiotics. That usually settles once the antibiotics therapy has stopped and once they become well again, it tends to decrease. In amount. And some patients would say that certain foods they eat make the mucus production worse. Um, there's no evidence to say you know, what foods they can be, but just certain patients have, have different experiences. One patient told me citrus fruit made her rectal discharge worse. So it's just about knowing your own body, how your body's responding to it, and, and the steps that you can take to reduce that mucus production. I think also um, patients who have no control over that discharge, where they find it's leaking onto their pants, can be very distressing. Um, I would advise them to use like a wee, um, a wee liner, male and female, it doesn't matter. It can be a bit embarrassing for men, but it's preferable to using kitchen roll or toilet roll, especially when they don't have any control. Just making sure that their underwear is um, good fit in underwear as well, to hold the wee pads in place just to catch anything mm -hmm. that is coming out. And again, if it is problematic, regular sharing, um, just to clean the area, just to make sure that it's dab dry. 
um, just to remove all the moisture so that you don't cause any skin irritation or anything like that. And then I suppose with that goes good skincare in and around the back passage, just making sure the skin is clean and dry and if you've got any rashes, just to apply a bit of pseudocreme lightly or Cavlon, something just to protect the skin from the moisture that the mucus can produce. So Cara, what other practical advice can you give to our listeners? The last thing I would recommend just in terms of managing rectal discharge would be uh, pelvic floor muscles, just making sure your pelvic floor muscles are as strong as they can be. Uh, you can find pelvic floor exercises on any of our NHS websites and we have some uh, leaflets that we can send out to you as well. Perfect, thanks Karen. So what if there's blood or pus in the discharge? What should I do? If there's blood, a streak of blood in your rectal discharge, um, can happen. It's quite normal. But I would be concerned if there was a lot of blood mixed with my mucus, um, which would be uh, occurring on a regular basis. Um, there's something going on there. There could be some inflammatory process going on there. If you were a patient who, say, had an IBD condition, this can, can be something like proctitis, inflammation of the rectum, in which you would get blood mixed with your mucus. Um, but I would be advising patients to attend GP if they see a lot of blood in their mucus. Persistent rectal bleeding at any time can mean there's changes going on down there and um, it's good to get it checked out. Before we finish our session, do you have any helpful tips or things to remember? Um, yeah, it's just important to know that you're not alone in this um, and rectal discharge is quite normal. But also take advice from reputable um, company Facebook pages or like your Colostomy UK, Ileostomy Associations, and also ourselves as your stoma nurse. Please talk to loved ones and a friend or family if you have any concerns and keep in touch with us. Thanks, Mari. So just want to say thanks to Karen for joining and sharing your expertise and knowledge for today's episode. And thanks also to Tracy, Vicky and Mari for joining to offer some helpful tips and advice. And thank you for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast and have benefited from it. We'd like to now invite you to complete a short feedback questionnaire, which is available via a link in the episode description of the podcast. So please join us next time when we'll be looking at pancaking, ballooning and odour. 